Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we celebrate creative culture and the artists that make it. We talk to the world's most creative people. We are here to celebrate and elevate artists and their work. And everything we do here on the podcast is about helping to empower and add value to the struggle because being an artist is a struggle. It's tough out there. Supply outstrips demand and we got to stoke demand. And so we put out this podcast to help promote and help celebrate all the amazing work that artists do. And whether you're a visual artist or a dancer or a photographer or a designer or a movie producer, we talk to everybody because everybody has something to teach us. I'm your faithful host, Sourdough, the intrepid, fearless, faithful. I don't know if I'm fearless, but it's a nice thought anyway. I'm your host, Sourdough. Like it or not, here I am. Here we go. And today's episode is part of a new series, editorial series, that I am exploring. And, you know, as the creator of Not Real Art and the producer and publisher of Not Real Art, you know, I think a lot about issues that impact artists, artists' lives. And uh, I could take time to write an editorial that you would have to read on our blog at notrealart.com. But who's got the time to do that, right? Who's got the time to sit and write a rough draft, write an outline, write a rough draft, do a rewrite, do another rewrite, get that edited, do another rewrite, and get to the final copy for publishing only for nobody to read it because nobody has freaking time. Nobody reads anymore. And so it's a sad state of affairs out there, people. But here we are on the podcast. I say, you know what? Rather than writing this up and forcing you to do homework and read it on the notrealart.com blog, I'll just talk about it. You know, I'm going to do these kind of uh, audio editorials, audio-torials, I guess we could call them. And uh, I'm just going to take on different topics and wax poetic for good, bad, and worse. Last 
audiotorial that I did was uh, about why I love buying art and wanted to chat about that because I think that, you know, why I buy art is I think would be interesting to other people to help inspire them to buy art because ultimately we buy art because we love it, right? And so I've got this list of topics that I want to address, How, why I love buying art was one of them. But today's topic is a topic that has been near and dear to my heart for a while. And, you know, for years now, I have been appalled by the number of artists that get asked to do work for free or work for exposure. Artists time and time again get asked to do their work for free in exchange for exposure. And in fact, this became such a trend over the last many years that uh, Sarah Lawrence, a fantastic graphic designer out of Atlanta, shout out Sarah, she had created a meme that went viral. And it was the Exposure Bucks meme. Perhaps you saw it. I'll post it on the website so you can see it if you have it. But it was this very funny sort of vintage graphic of a woman saying, sure, pay me an exposure bucks. Pay me an exposure. I can pay my rent. I can buy groceries with exposure. And so it is unfortunately the rule uh, rather than the exception out there. Artists get asked time and time again to deliver uh, their expertise for no money rather a barter situation for this so-called exposure. And, you know, the sad part is that many times these offers are coming from for-profit, publicly traded, you know, international organizations, global brands, multi-billion dollar, multi-million dollar brands who have money in their budget if they really cared enough to pay. And unfortunately, a lot of times we're talking to artists who are hungry for work, hungry for exposure, and so they get exploited. They get taken advantage of. And artists oftentimes are put in a position of telling companies like Nike, you know, yes or no. And I remember one time Nike called us looking for artists and they wanted to pay the artists in shoes. Well, fuck you, Nike. Artists can't pay you know, their rent in shoes. So anyway, so it's kind of uh, ridiculous out there, really disrespectful. And, you know, artists are often, you know, times put in these positions to say, well, wait a minute, it's Nike. Maybe I should do it and it could be good. And, you know, and listen, I want to just say this first and foremost. I don't mean to suggest that you should always say no to those opportunities. And in fact, that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this today, because I want to explore those opportunities where maybe you could you should say yes to freebies. And so today's talk is sort of loosely titled How to Think About Freebies. Because that's what it is, right? You know, organizations come to us and they ask for freebies. They say, oh, you know, could you do this work, you know, in exchange for shoes or, or exposure rather than, you know, cold, hard cash? They come to us, you know, say, oh, we're a charity. You know, we don't have any money, you know, you know for the children. Could you please donate a piece that we could sell and raise money to feed the children or something? Of course, artists who are usually very good people who give a shit and care, you know, they often say, sure, you know, we'll, you know, give you a painting. And so this has become kind of the culture. This has kind of become the, the rule rather than the exception, which is why Sarah, you know, her meme went viral. This exposure bucks 
meme went viral because it resonates with so many artists and creatives who get asked all the time to work for free. And in fact, I actually bought a t-shirt from a graphic designer. Sadly, I don't know his name, but the, it was a black t-shirt with white letters and it just says real big, stop asking creatives to work for free. And I wear it all the time. So when should we work for free? How should we think about freebies? Right? Because listen, there is a place. There is a place for a freebie. And, you know, if you look at big business, if you look at how big brands do it, of course, freebies are a viable strategy in certain contexts. I mean, free samples are, I mean, that's why I go to Costco. <laughs> I go to Costco for the free samples. Uh, you know, you know, free samples have their role. You know, the liquor companies and the brands are famous for those little bottles that you buy right at the point of sale, little bottles of whiskey, little bottles of tequila. And the whole point of that is that you can try this liquor for two or three bucks, try this product for pennies on the dollar, see if you like it so that you trade up and, and buy that $30 bottle, right? You go to Costco, they give you free samples to taste the product so that you buy the product, right? You know, we test drive cars before we buy them or lease them because that's the whole point. You you know, you want to try it before you buy it, right? So I don't blame, you know, companies or organizations for, you know, perhaps, well, I don't, well, I, I let me rephrase that. I don't blame artists for wanting to give away some taste, you know, of their work as a way of helping to, you know, inspire people to buy their work and trade up and become fans and collectors. I, I don't at all begrudge artists to do that. There is a place for freebies, but, you know, it should be on the artist's terms, not the brand's terms, not the company's terms. Like I said, fuck Nike if they don't want to pay you in cash, right? You should, you should the, the right of refusal is on the artist to say, no, I don't want to do that. And here's why. But what are those circumstances? What are those contexts where maybe we should give a free sample or, or do some pro bono work. Lawyers do pro bono work. A lot of doctors, you know, professional accountants, I mean, they do pro bono work to get new clients. The first meeting with a lawyer, that's called a pro bono meeting because they want to meet you. They want to sit down with you and they want to learn about you and your case and the situation. And they'll talk to you for an, an hour or two for free so that hopefully maybe they get your case, you know. And so this idea of a free consultation. This idea of a free sample is very common and, and artists should play that game too, absolutely. But it should be on the artist terms and it should be done in certain ways. And so I want to offer some thoughts as to how you should start thinking about freebies. You know, this whole idea about exposure bucks, I mean, the question is, well, exactly what kind of exposure, you know? And by the way, did you get that exposure? Really? Did you get that attribution? Did they really promote the artist and how to contact you, you know, in that ad, you did some work for an ad that was published or was on a TV commercial and it was for Nike or it was from some other big brand. Did they, did they really give you a shout out? Was there really a way for the viewer to understand that you, the artist created that artwork in that ad and here's how to contact you? Generally not. Generally not. I've seen a lot of this work over the years and oftentimes, and sadly, the artist doesn't get the attribution or the shout out. And so you have to question the efficacy and the quality of that exposure. 
right? And it's all good in theory. You know, you, always, you get to say, oh, I work for Nike. Okay, that might be something. You might be able to trade up or use that as leverage to trade up to a new client. And great. I mean, that is the game, right? That is the hope. But it doesn't usually work that way. And so I am absolutely against exploitation of artists. I am absolutely against working for free. You know, every time we do something, we always strive to pay our artists a fair market rate for the project or for the work. I am loathe. I'm very hesitant to ever ask anybody with expertise around something to work for free. And uh, hell, I don't even think you can tell interns to work for free anymore. You know, I'm, I come from an, an age when, yeah, sure, and you were lucky to get paid as an intern. <laughs> now I think it's illegal. It's like, you know, exploitative labor. So anyway, so artists need to get paid. We need to get paid. People have bills to pay, damn it. And I'm not even talking about getting rich. I'm just talking about paying your fucking bills. Pay, you got rent, groceries, you know, medical bills. You got clothes to buy. You got art supplies to buy. So at the base level... You know, I'm just talking about, you know, earning a living and making sure you're getting paid for your expertise, but also, you know, when to think about freebies, when to think about, you know, how to, to approach, you know, doing some pro bono work that, you know, might benefit you, of course, you, number one, and them, number two, because really I'm all about you. I'm not about them. You need to think about helping yourself uh, in your art career, in your business, and paying your bills. And trust me, Nike will be fine. Trust me, even that charity will be fine, whether you donate your time or not. So I guess I have kind of four ways of thinking about freebies, okay? Number one, we've talked a little bit about this already. We mentioned charity. Well, you know, classically, charities come to artists all the time. They're doing a fundraiser. And they say, oh, you know, could you donate a painting so we could auction it off for our important cause? And artists get head up like that all the time. And artists being good people, generally speaking, or, or, you know, feel bad about saying no, so they do it. Well, here's the deal. I would say that in those situations, you should tell those charities that you want 50% back. And... What charities don't understand a lot of times is that the basic split for a gallery and artists is 50-50. So in this case, a charity is the gallery. You know, they have the audience. They have the potential buyers and donors. You don't. They do. You don't. And so they think that, you know, they, you know, that they want that you're rich. You got all the money. You can give it away. I think there's a conversation to be had here. And, you know, you let them know that you're your own charity. <laughs> I was talking to an artist a while back and he said, I I'm my own charity. I I'm trying to make ends meet myself. I can't donate work to this charity because I'm trying to you know, make money myself. And so I feel like there's a kind of a conversation to be had, an educational, a little education, teaching moment, a learning moment here, teaching moment where we can say to that charity, well, look, I'm struggling as well. I'm an artist trying to make ends meet. But yet I believe in your cause and I want, you know, to help you. So we could do it a couple of ways. Either I donate this piece and if it sells, I get 50%, which is the normal split that I would give any gallery. And in this case, you're the gallery. And oh, by the way, this painting is worth $2,000. So the base price should be $2,000. And, you know, and if it's a bit, you know, people are bidding or if it's an auction, it could goes, goes up from there, that kind of a thing. But you should get 50% of that base price at the very least. 
whether you not, you know, if you want to get 50% of the $10,000 they raised, well, you know, that's up to you. I mean, that's maybe the charity part where you say, look, you know, everything on top of that 2000 is gravy. You can keep that. But of that 2000 I want 50%. That is a fair, rational approach that any reasonable person or business person would understand and respect. Another way of working with charities is maybe you just give them a, a wholesale price and, you know, or, or flat price and say, look, you know, I can't give it to you, but I'll sell it to you for a greatly reduced price. It's worth 2000 bucks. You know, I'll sell it to you for 750 or 500 or 1000 and then everything you sell above that is gravy for you guys. Again, very sensible, very rational. They may not do that because they might say, well, I don't have money to pay up front. But it, they have skin in the game that way, right? They're very, very they're incentivized to work hard to sell that piece when they've got some skin in the game, right? And so I think that when it comes to charity or charities or fundraising for nonprofits, you know, you need to think of it, think of them as the gallery. They need to think of themselves as a gallery. They probably don't. You need to educate them, let them know that usually it's a 50-50 split. You know, personal story, I recently, my daughter goes to a private school that does a fundraiser every year. And we did exactly this. I, I explained to the headmaster of the school, I said, look, I said, artists are their own, you know, charity organizations. They're, they're trying to, to make ends meet and earn a living. And so rather than asking artists to donate the work, why don't we create an art show? Right. And let's create a gallery space and let's ask all the families to come and look at art and buy art. And 50 percent of it will go to the school and 50 percent will go to the artist, just like a gallery split. And so we curated uh, we partnered with Sugar Press Art to curate the show. And it was a it was a wonderful success for the school and the artist. Right. Because in that context, the school was the gallery. They had the people they had, who you know, who potential buyers who had the money. And so it was a different approach, an unconventional kind of novel, innovative approach to fundraising with the charity or with a nonprofit. And I think that you, the artist, have to start to think about this. And by the way, you have to advocate for yourself. Nobody's going to suggest this. You have to sell this yourself. You have to advocate this yourself. And I think that's how you start to think about freebies within the context of charities and how you can start thinking about these organizations when they approach you. Think of them as the gallery. Split, do it with a 50-50. You'll give me, you know, hey, yeah, sure, take it on consignment. I'll donate to you. If you don't sell it, I want it back. That's the other thing. Make sure you get it back if it doesn't sell, right? So we just have to be more savvy and more take a more of a informed kind of uh, consultative approach here and educate the charity and the nonprofit about, how art gets sold usually and what it really works, what it really looks like for you as an artist and that fact that you're struggling to and that you want to help them, but you got to do it in a mutually beneficial way, right? So that's number one. That's one way to think about freebies within the context of charities and nonprofits. Now, the free sample, right? I talked about that. You know, companies are, they have huge budgets for this. They bake this into their marketing budget. They know that if I'm a new water brand or a new energy drink or whatever, I need to be giving samples away. I'm going to go to X Games or I'm going to go to Coachella and I'm going to be giving, you know, all these samples away and, you know, getting kids to post on social media and so forth. So 
that's exposure, right? In many ways, that's brand building in many ways. It's just marketing one-on-one. So when it comes to freebies, I think that artists need to think about freebies, you know, as a real thing, you know, what would a freebie look like for you? And how, by the way, can you make 500 freebies that you would give away? You know, and may, you know, listen, maybe it's going to cost you money, right? To make the freebies, you know, anytime you're giving something away, it's a, it's not a loss. It's an investment, right? You're investing in your brand. You're investing in nurturing new sales in the future. So you, but you've got to do it in an economical way. So listen, stickers are classic, right? Stickers, pins, you know, that kind of thing are sort of classic in the culture these days to sort of get your brand out there and get your name out there. But, you know, what are the other things you could be doing? right? To get your brand out there and give people a piece of yourself and of your art. And I think, uh, you know, I think that that is really important for you to think about. What are you going to do? How are you going to show up? You know, listen, maybe you paint, you get a big sheet of paper, right? And you create a huge painting on a sheet of paper, a thick board of some kind, or just some paper, whatever, maybe, you know, and then you cut it up, right? You cut it up into, you know, four by four squares, right? And then you've got, I don't know, 200 squares or 100, 500 squares and you sign them, right? And you give those away as freebies, right? You There are all kinds of ways of doing this that make sense, that are creative, that get your brand out there, that give people a little piece of your work and you're giving them free samples. And I think you should have a plan for that. You should have a reservoir of freebies or samples that you can give away, whether it's little drawings or little paintings or little stickers or buttons, but you should absolutely have a strategy and a game plan when it comes to freebies so that you're not caught flat-footed. And if somebody asks you to give your work for free, you say, yeah, sure. Here, here's a bunch of stickers. Here's a bunch of buttons. There you go. All right. Got to advocate for ourselves. We got to be smart. And lastly, you know, in terms of freebies, you know, for the big projects, you know, these big companies that want you to, you know, give your work away for free, or they want you to do a sketch. This is classic, right? It's like, well, we want you for this big project. We think you're perfect, but we'd love to see a rendering first, right? And if we like your rendering, then we'll pay you, then we'll hire you. Well, that's, that's a no-no, right? Because the rendering is the work, you know, what they don't know is that they're, you know, or what they're not admitting is that they, you know, they want to pay you for the way you think and the way you see and the way you render and the way you produce, right? And so to do a, a full rendering of the piece, well, that's the work or at least half of it, right? So the idea that they're going to ask you to work for free to hopefully in the hopes of winning some bigger project, waving that carrot out there. That happens all the time. And so the way of thinking about that from a freebie perspective is that, well, A, number one, you always reserve the right to say no. And you should always say, you know, the the deal with freebies is when you give things away for free, you devalue art for everyone. You devalue the work of every artist everywhere when you start giving it away for free. If artists everywhere started saying no to freebies, that would instantly increase the value of art and the value of artists. If suddenly artists everywhere were just saying, no, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. And artists locked together, almost unionized or, you know, or, or locked arms in solidarity 
to say no to this kind of exploitation, it would instantly change the game because agencies and brands and companies and organizations would know that, no, you know what? I got to pay this artist for their good work and for their expertise. And so I think every artist out there, number one, needs to say no, first of all, and then say, but here's how I approach this work. And you give the clients or the organization an alternative. You say, look, you know, for 500 bucks, I'll do the rendering. It'll be a pencil rendering, no color, right? And I reserve the rights to it. If you want the rights, that's more money, right? And if you want color, that's more money, right? But what you want is, because here's the deal, right? If they want to see how you think or see your work or if they, you have years of work in your portfolio. Look at my portfolio. Look at all the work I've done. Look at all my work. You're talking to me right now because you've seen my work. You like my work. And so I'm not going to jump through hoops now just, you know, because you can see my career for the last 10, 15 years or 20 years or whatever it is. And so here's my portfolio. You know, if you either want me or you don't, but if you think that you, I'm really right for this job and you want to see a concept rendering, okay, fine. I get the fact that you want to see maybe my idea or get a sense of how I would solve this problem for you. It's like, I will do it for $500. It'll be a pencil rendering. I retain the rights. Of course, you need to have this in a contract, in a one-page deal. And if you want me to add color, that's an upcharge of you know X. And obviously, if you want to buy out the rights of the idea, well, then that'll be more. But no one is going to do this for you. You have to do this. Artists have to advocate for themselves. These are best business practices. It's not rocket science. It doesn't require us to stand up for ourselves and say no and realize that when we say yes to free work, we devalue art and art in the role of artists in the world. And as soon as we start saying no to freebies and no to, to exploitive business practices, the sooner we elevate the value of, of artists in the world and the value of art in the world. And so, you know, as I said in the beginning, there is a place for freebies, free sampling. It's part of business. It's the way it goes. You as an artist need to figure out what works for you and create a plan and a strategy for how you address these things. And by the way, stick to your guns, stick to your values. What, you know, what is your ethos around a company like Nike asking you to work pro bono for exposure. You know, how do you feel about that ethically, you know, and stick to those ethics, stick to those values. You know, I think, listen, in a perfect world, if you never work with Nike, and I hate to keep beating up on Nike, but I was so pissed that day when they were going to offer shoes in exchange. So fuck Nike. <laughs> so anyway, the point is, is that if you've never worked with Nike, and suddenly you're going to work with them for free like that. You set a precedent. Suddenly now you're the free guy, right? And you don't want to be the free guy. Nobody wants to be the one that never gets paid. And as soon as you say yes to something like that, you know, you're a sucker, right? You're the one, oh, call Sourdough. He'll do it for nothing. He'll do it for free or he'll do it for pennies. You don't want to be that person. You want to be a high value. You know, Sure, you want to be a, you know competitive and economical and deliver great value and a fair price. I'm not saying price gouge. But you do need to stand up and say no, because you don't want to build a reputation that, you know, ultimately defeats the purpose of being in business in the first place, which is to, you know, make a buck and keep the lights on. Right.
And so, you know, I admit every situation is different and you might be able to rationalize and justify, oh, I should do it for this reason. I should do it for that reason. And as I said at the beginning, there are reasons to say yes sometimes, but it has to be the exception, not the rule. And it has become the rule rather than the exception over the last many years. And so when you're working for charity or a nonprofit, work something out for, with them. You know, as I said, either 50-50 split or a wholesale price or a greatly reduced price or, you know, some kind of situation where they understand that you two are in need of finance of funds, but you're willing to work with them on a, maybe a gallery-like model to do something. If you're looking for, you know, new clients and new collectors, new fans, absolutely have a bucket of free samples somehow, whether it be stickers or buttons or little drawings or little squares of your paintings or something that people can can have, take home, feel good about and remember you by. And I think that when it comes to big companies, big organizations, you also have to have to have a policy around how you handle these things. And remember that there is no free lunch and nothing is for free. You pay for what you get. You get for what you pay. These companies have to understand they're coming to you because supposedly you are the only person in the world that can do what you do. And they've seen your work. They like your work. And you've just tough. It's tough love time. We've got to tell, start telling people, no, won't work for free and have, but have an alternative plan to say, look, I understand you want to see my thinking, my rendering. That'll be $500. I retain my rights. And by the way, these are just examples. It might be $5,000. I don't know. But at the end of the day, you have to have a strategy and a policy that works for you and works, by the way, for all artists, because if all artists can come together around these ideas and stop working for free and stop working for exposure bucks, you know, ultimately, we're going to increase the perceived value of artists in the world and art in the world. And that's my sermon for today brothers and sisters. <laughs> That's my sermon for today, my creative brothers and sisters. Think on it, pray on it, and remember that we're in this together and we have to advocate for ourselves or our own small businesses and we have to adhere to best business practices so that we elevate the value of artists and art in the world rather than mitigate the value. And uh, giving our work away for free does nothing but shoot ourselves in the foot and hurt the value, perceived value of what we do. So there you go. That's it. I'm done ranting. Is that enough? You want more? Well, tune in next time. And in the meantime, go to notrealart.com. Check out what's going on there. We got a lot of great stuff. Call the hotline. Tell us what you think at 833-668-7325. And be sure to share this episode, like this episode, tell your friends about us. And most importantly, take care of yourself and be well. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Not Real Art Podcast. Please make sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. Also, remember to subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Not Real Art is produced by Crew West Studios in Los Angeles. Our theme music was created by Ricky Peugeot and Desi Deloro from the band Parlor Social. Not Real Art is created by We Edit Podcasts and hosted by Captivate. Thanks again for listening to Not Real Art. We'll be back soon with another inspiring episode celebrating creative culture and the artists who make it.